Clayman Clayman Media. You're listening to the We Bear Witness podcast, where we discuss theological truths and cultural influences. Follow us on Spotify or wherever podcasts are streaming. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the We Bear Witness podcast. We're super excited to be back here with you today and for you to join us. Uh, As always, if you want to listen to past episodes, uh, you can find us on um, pretty much any uh, podcast streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and we also have a YouTube channel. So go check that out, We Bear Witness podcast, um, if you are more... uh, visual and like to see some cool stuff that clay's put together to go with the audio um but let's jump right in today we have so much to talk about some exciting things some uh uh interesting developments this last week and i'm super happy to have adam here with me today hey adam are you ready for today (laughs) yeah yeah that's a good question that's a loaded question (laughs) (laughs) all All right right. so uh so last week i guess it was um Uh, you did what seemed to be a pretty innocent um, post on uh, social media that ended up uh, bringing out a lot of uh, interesting comments and topics. How about you explain a little bit of what led up to that? Yeah, uh, about 10 days ago, um, I went onto that bird site that my wife would rather me delete, deactivate probably. Um, no yeah, as, I can confirm that she does. Want you <laughs> no, to delete that. No, 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 <laughs> no, as Twitter, you know, all the joy it brings into our family. And, and, and honestly, I've struck up a, a community that I enjoy, a group of people that I wouldn't even know, a group of people that are going to be on our podcast and people that I wouldn't even know, know or be able to know. Had you not gotten yourself out there a little bit and, uh, you know, that's, that's been the kind of fun part of it. And it's, it's encouraging for the most part. I love guys like Dustin Binge who, just kind of stick to just really good edifying stuff, but still, pro, you know, promote the truth. And, and that's all well and good. Well, I just, I got a clip sent to me earlier that day, January 23rd, so about 10 days ago, 11 days ago. And, uh, my, just a clip, two minute clip, actually it was an 11 minute video of Andy Stanley at a, uh, drive conference. in I think it was this early, early summer, of 2022 and this hasn't been circulated and to get the entire video you kind of have to go to one of those packages at the at the church site and buy you know pay a hundred bucks for the whole thing so it's not something that's heavily circulated it's not available and on youtube it's not on their website but my buddy um ryan visconti i guess i can go ahead and say that now since he kind of outed himself shortly after that uh, sent me the video and i looked at it and I made a decision at that moment to share uh, two minutes of the 11 minutes, uh, two minutes I thought were, were pretty much the, the, I won't use the term appalling, but it was very shocking just kind of what he was saying, even given the, the limited context. And uh, in it, I was really uh, disheartened. But um, Andy Stanley, in this clip that you're about to hear in about two minutes, um, you might hear it and you might think, well, I don't hear him say anything necessarily bad on its own. And uh, we're not going to make the whole episode about uh, homosexuality and same-sex attraction and things of that nature. And, and and Dylan and I will be very thorough because even Dylan had an appropriate sort of rebuttal after he listened to it. And, and we talked to your dad a little bit, Dylan, and, and there was a lot of wisdom there. Uh, but overall, the, the, the deafening silence from this side now that this video that I've shared has been viewed 1.3 million times um, and shared and now as everywhere from James White uh, to, to, uh, Dustin, um, 
you know, to, to just Denny Burke, to any, everybody with a podcast and, and writing for world news organizations. Ryan Visconti put a thread out. Everybody's been talking about it since for about 12 days. And this is the same Andy Stanley who unhitched from the Old Testament, you know, a couple of years ago. And we, we knew this was kind of coming. We knew pragmatism was on its way. We can't say he fully affirms the homosexuality position with this, but I know that a lot of people in the pro-LGBTQ movement, the advocates for pro-LGBTQ, uh, progressive liberalism, progressive Christianity, have been very excited about this clip and very encouraged by this clip. And yet Andy Stanley and, uh, and his church have remained silent. So we're going to let you uh, hear it. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, cue that clip, and then we'll talk about it a little bit here afterwards. Figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay men and women, okay, a gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-law's house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place, I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. God said no, and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who wanna worship with us. And I know the verses, I know the clobber passages, right? We gotta figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. All right, so as you heard, uh, a lot of uh, things that make you scratch your head, uh, kind of concerning, um, uh, thoughts that are put out there. Um, and so what we really want to do is not, um, I guess, draw, uh, people's attention to it and really say, okay, what should the biblical, uh, model be for, uh, homosexuality and people who have, been in that lifestyle or are coming to our churches, you know, um, either currently in that lifestyle or coming out of that lifestyle, uh, what is the proper response in the church? Right. So the, right off the bat, the first thing you need to realize is that no one is sitting here saying that homosexuals aren't welcome uh, to attend church. So, so what we're talking about here and what he didn't make clear, and one of the, one of the biggest issues with it is he not only uh, uses the term gay Christians, which we will discuss in a second, has has some some issues. It has with connotations the and and makes you think a specific way. Uh, exactly. And instead of using that phrase, if if he's talking about you know homosexuals are people 
um, who are Christians, who are saved, who are who are dealing or struggling with same sex attraction, who still want to be there. It, 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 the way he glorifies them in comparison to uh, to people to straight people or to Christians who do not deal with same sex attraction, to me that analogy is inherently flawed. Anyway, to me, to me, there's a huge issue with it too because he says uh, in the clip um, they enter places where they're not welcome. They enter places where they're hated, and to me, that's just a really dumb charge. Uh, that's just a really dumb comparison to to suggest that people who are living actual biblical Christianity out and even their workplace aren't walking into positions and places and opportunities to be absolutely hated and humiliated for following Christ. I mean, isn't that, does did that not just sound kind of, kind of silly to you? Like that, like how would you, you don't enter places where you're hated, bro. Every job I ever had before the ministry, I was absolutely hated. And it wasn't just because of my personality. Yeah. yeah you weren't, it was, you weren't it was the because most of Christian on the radio station, right? No, <laughs> no, I lost my job at the radio. I mean, I didn't get fired, but I had to, I quit. I mean, there was a, there was because a sense your faith of, contradicted what you I mean, were being you're, asked to do. Right. You're asked to do stuff that contradicts your faith all the time. And I'm not the subject here. There's Christians all over the world that have been asked to do crooked things or try to, you know, dog eat dog it into their corporate life. And they, and so, so the mere, mere fact that he compares the two, that was just virtue signaling smoke blowing in my opinion. And it was setting a premise to, to where in the 11 minute, the full 11 minute clip, because some rebuttals on this are going to be, well, he's obviously talking about people who are just same sex attracted. Well, he didn't say it and he has, still hasn't said it. And some rebuttals are going to be, um, well, he's just making people feel welcome. Well, I hope people feel welcome in the church, but the church has one, one job, and that is to preach the gospel, to preach Christ and Christ crucified as a solution to our sin and be very clear to the world around us what that sin is. And so instead of gay Christian, I mean, would you say adulterous Christian? Would you say murderous Christian? So the real issue here is that we have taken gay and we have made it less of a sin and we have sort of stepped already into uh, the line of acceptance by believing that it's not the same kind of sin as any other right. sin. And when you're when you're a Christian, what happens theologically? What happens in that process? Do you stop sinning? No. Do you stop sinning right away? Absolutely not. You won't stop sinning until you see Jesus Christ face to face. But you don't want to sin. You don't want to be identified with that sin. I don't want to say these lying Christians walk into the church and they feel so much better uh, about their faith than people who don't struggle with lying because they know they're hated for lying, but they still come anyway. The analogy doesn't work with any other sin. And so the context of how he said it and the implications of how he said it lead to an affirmation. Now, he has not... I'll say this for Andy Stanley. He has not vocally in any way, shape or form come out in favor of uh, gay Christians serving, joining, being baptized uh, as far as his as far as a vocal proclamation or kind of a subjugation of biblical text. He does call the texts that are anti-homosexual texts in the sense that they are anti-homosexuality, not anti-people, but anti-homosexuality. He calls those clobber passages. I know all the clobber passages. Well, that's a funny way to dismiss the word of God, which honestly is something that we've seen of, of Andy Stanley. So again, this is not, don't, don't reduce this to just some guy has a problem with another preacher. Then you're missing the context. You're missing our approach because our goal, our hope here is that he repents. Our goal, our hope is that he clears things up and he's on the right side of the gospel. You, yeah, you exactly. And if, um, if it's been misquoted or misunderstood, the, uh, 
I guess you could say the proper way to deal with that would be to come out and say, uh, this was taken uh, in a way I did not mean. This is what I believe. Um, and basically to clarify, um, you know, what what's the biblical standard on this? And that's what, you know, is the calling of every pastor, every uh, evangelist, every person that has that responsibility, that has that following, um, is to, with clarity, uh, present and teach and preach the word of God as it is the entirety of it. And I think that's what we're going at here is saying, um, uh, you know, just like if during a sermon, Adam, where you preached, you found out later that something was said uh, that, you know, was taken in a different way than you meant it. Uh, the first thing that that you would want to do is to clarify that, right? Um, just and and I've seen you do that. You know, there was I, I forget. I think it was last year. There was something that that you're on staff. That I, know, I know you were on and staff. We, where we had to clean we it went up. out onto you know the church Facebook group and said, "Hey, I said this. It was taken this way, but this is really what I was trying to come across." And so that's that's what we're saying here is. Uh, what does the Bible say about this? Um, and, 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 you know, if, uh, if I, I think at the least what he said was incomplete at the worst, uh, it was downright, uh, heretical. And so, um, you know, again, we're not saying that's what he believes, but at this point there has been, uh, no indication that that's not what he believes based off of what he has said. So, I think that's a great way to put it, and uh, it's a wise way to come at, come at something when you have a platform. You have 36,000 people that right. attend your church, uh, and there's no place for ambiguity, N- not with a sin that's dominating in our culture and changing. And everyone's like, well, this is homophobia. Look, we, we can talk to you. You can email us. Uh, I have no fear of homosexuals. I have several friends uh, who I love dearly who struggle with same-sex attraction and several who are unrepentant homosexuals who I've grown up with and, and consider friends. But, but this is, this is a bigger problem. They know where we stand biblically. They know that what I believe in is not my opinion, but is what the Bible preaches. And they know that a lot of what he's even talked about when these issues are discussed is going to be viewed as hate speech and people don't see beyond it. And there's nothing we can do about it. I'm, the goal of the Bible is to save sinners of which we were all sinners. We were all in need of the same God. We were all in need of the same grace. We were all in need of the same gospel. We all have different sins. Many of us have some of the same sins and is usually reduced down to the same stuff and for the same reasons. But at the end of the day, it's the same Christ that saves us and he saves us forever. And that's really what we want is is from a place of love to talk about what is holy and what is pure and what is just and what is righteous. And yet we do it. We're doing a disservice to the world that we have been called to reach with the gospel by instead of hurting their feelings, uh, hurt their chances yeah. of, of and seeing as, the gospel. And that's, that's and as we said before on this podcast, um, you know, the Bible, uh, the Bible's view of sin relates to all of us at every level, just like we're going to preach from the pulpit. Um, just like we're going to talk about it on this podcast, that if you're living with uh, somebody of the opposite sex out of wedlock, you're in sin when it comes to the standard of the Bible. If you're living in a homosexual relationship, you're in sin. If you are gossiping, you're in sin. And so I, I think what this does, like you said earlier, we are softening this sin compared to other ones because 
culturally, yeah. we don't want to be seen as, uh, you know, anti the person, um, instead exactly of right. and, and I, focusing mostly on what the Bible says and then yeah. let the chips fall where it may. And I even go as far, Dylan, as to say that, you know, I can see a little bit of, you know, you know, in the last 20 or 30 years, however long I've been a Christian, that we have not known really what to do when people come in and struggle with same-sex attraction. Like the church does need to step up and realize what's up and and, and that the gospel, of course, is still the answer. But the, is grace really needed in, in, in that movement? Of course, just like anywhere else, just like in, in any kind of problem or sin or lifestyle before you meet Christ or, or when you're meeting Christ, all of that needs consideration and grace. So no one's, no one's saying to back off from that. We're saying, uh, breaking news, Christians believe this about biblical sexuality, the same thing they've, they've believed for thousands of years. So that's, that's really all we're talking about here, but because it becomes more accepted in society, almost like second nature. I mean, the, the statistics are, are incredibly discouraging of people who identify something outside of a biblical marriage or outside of biblical sexuality. Uh, that these The statements we're making now become not only more controversial, but they're met with more vitriol, uh, which reminds me there's something huge that's happened even at First Baptist Church, Jacks, shortly after that Andy Stanley statement, which I don't think the two were related because I think he had already pretty much had this membership addition in, in motion. But when Heath Lambert, who's the, the senior pastor over at First Baptist Church Jacks, they've decided to put out a statement on biblical sexuality that reads, as a member of First Baptist Church, I believe that God creates people in his image as either male or female, and that his creation is a fixed matter of human biology, not individual choice. Well, that right there obviously being part of the transgender ideology and, and that movement specifically. And then he goes on to say, I believe marriage is instituted by God, not government is between one man and one woman and is the only context for sexual desire and expression. And this, this just recently national made national news. news. It was head, headlined at Fox news. And if it's, you know, it's broken down to say, um, Christians believe Bible period. That's the controversy, but Bible, Bible-believing Christians believe Bible. Starting from the very Genesis, beginning in Genesis, where it said he made them Genesis 1, male and female. Genesis, Genesis 2, 24, Matthew 19, 5, Romans 1, 26 through 27. I can go on forever. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. All of those passages uh, say this very blatantly, that there's a design, there's a righteous way to live, and there's an unrighteous way to live. And if you're thinking, we just pick on this, let me give you a reason why this is not just picking on something, but that why this receives the backlash it receives. So let's say I go on Twitter, which against my, you know, I'm on a week off right now, by the way. You're in timeout. That's my prescription. That was, that was my, <laughs> that was a, <laughs> I didn't want to call it timeout. Your wife put you into timeout. You started it. She did not, uh, she's not domineering at all. She's careful and accountable and sweet and listens to the show. Um, but there is a, I'm in I'm full a week support. off. I figured you are. I as a week. I'm a week off, and that's a good place to be, just with a lot of stuff going on at Amelia Baptist right now, and, and just kind of our general life. And uh, and you know, you know, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, let me let me tweet um, liars. You know, lying is a big deal. Don't do it. Right. I, I am positive that I won't be met with the kind with of nearly the response uh, <laughs> as I would homosexuality is a sin. Period. And why is that? Well, because we're fighting for this one to be righteous and it isn't. We're not fighting for lying to be righteous. That's the literal difference. And one, both are sins. 
both need to be addressed, both need to be seen as sins, but the people need to be loved and the people need to be cared for. And I'm not suggesting they need to belong to the church before they believe. Mm. They need to believe first before they belong to the church biblically. Uh, and this is that's a whole separate issue. Ones we've seen, uh, one we've seen drop the ball dropped in FBC Orlando, even and the, and the Florida Baptist Convention, who I love very much, just a little silent on this. But but the mentality is before you belong, you need to believe. The only place we belong before we believe is hell, and then through belief and repentance in Jesus Christ by grace through faith in Him and alone, we will receive eternal life. And it's a work of faith, not by works. And so this this is something we believe forever. Nothing's new about it. And uh, you think a guy with 40,000 person reach on a, on a Sunday basis will be able to blatantly put out a statement and say that. But this leads into a, where we're going to finish the next 10 minutes, which is uh, pragmatism is a heck of a drug, to quote Rick James. And uh, if we're not careful, all of us will fall into it. And the logical conclusions to pragmatism typically are anti-biblical conclusions, right. where we will sacrifice the scripture by any means necessary to grow our audience, to grow our reach, and to expand our ministry in number. And that's just something we can't be willing to do. Yeah. Uh, last Sunday, in as part of our five functions of the biblical church, we talked about it a little bit last podcast, continuing in that series here. Um, we were talking about ministry specifically, and you brought up a really interesting point that uh, oftentimes our ministry, even good ministries, can become idols that we as human uh, beings and our human nature can make an idol out of pretty much anything. Um, I'd like to hear you in the last, you know, few minutes that we have kind of dive into that a little bit and unpack that statement, because I think a lot of times we look at a church and say, well, they're healthy because they have a lot of uh, great ministries going on, but we got to be careful within that, like you said, with the pragmatism there um, and, and it becoming about us. Um, instead of really keeping the focus on the whole purpose of ministry. Yeah, like as you know, uh, you know more than any, uh, Dylan is a, he and Emily are members of our church and uh, Mary Claire and uh, Dylan's on a committee where we're looking at a land purchase. So we're, we're looking to extend our ministries physically to sort of equip the growing in number that we've had as we continue to promote our philosophy of ministry, which is family equipping as we, as we, commit to the teaching of the word and to accountability and to membership and church discipline and all this other stuff that doesn't fly very well uh, in the culture today. Uh, but with that, I'm 100% in favor of it, but it was my warning to the church. Um, the thing about a campaign, uh, awareness is great, uh, but we can't be about more, uh, more about the awareness than we are the reason, right? And so everything is about aligning ourselves with the heart of God for his glory, for our good, and for the eternal good of others. And in ministry, uh, we will have these opportunities to make much of Christ. And when we say we love our church, what we really might be saying is we love what we're doing at our church. And that's when things become more about us and more about our ministries than the reason for our ministries. We, it's an easy ministry is an easy place uh, to lose sight of the reason because there's a lot of action. So, so the word ministry, the Greek word, uh, diakono, um, it's where we get deacon. It's where we get diaconate, a group of deacons. Uh, it means to serve, but there's actually another word uh, called dulavo, uh, meaning to serve as a slave. So in the New Testament ministry, if you're looking for a definition, is just service. And and my hope and goal to the congregation on Sunday as we walk through these five functions, which are the teaching of the word, fellowship, ministry, worship, and mission, is we have been called to serve the church. We've been called to serve the body, partake in the mission. And, and it's kind of a general question of asking, what are you doing? What are you doing to serve? 
I don't think you attend churches. I think you, you, you're asked, where do you serve? I think that's how the nomenclature we should be using. But I took it a step farther and said, but, but why are you doing it? And by what power are you doing it? And, and in that, it's in that answer, Dylan, that you bring out the words or the meaning of Ephesians 4, 10 through 16, as Paul gives this challenge to the church of Ephesus to say, okay, so in the first three chapters, I told you that the power comes uh, from the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. And the reason we have the Holy Spirit is because of Jesus. And then he tells us in, in chapter four, verse 12, that he gave Jesus being the he, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, meaning there are leadership. There is a leadership in the church. There's a hierarchy in the church and there are people in the church who have this job. And mostly what we see now are evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, right? And they have a job to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that the only people doing ministry in your church should not be your leadership, that everybody has been gifted in such a way that the word of God will flow and flourish in their settings and the kingdom of God will grow for it. This is all done to build up the body of Christ. Yeah. All right. So we got three and a half minutes left. You told a great story at the very end of the service uh, on Sunday that I think kind of wraps up about the the ministry and the giftings that God has given each aspect of the church as they come together, uh, unified for ministry in the local body of believers, and then uh, you know, uh, the international uh, body of the believers there. And I, I'd love for you to end our time here with that story. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when I got when I finished the sermon, or I was coming to the close, it was um, really wanting to remind people that God's purposely gifted the church to be the church, and that each person has different giftings. We get this from verses fifteen through sixteen in Ephesians four. And one of the biggest killers of this church of, of church today is consumerism, where people forget that Christianity doesn't work on the terms of consumerism, that Jesus calls his followers not to comfort and convenience, but to deny themselves, take up their cross. And rather than be consumer friendly, Jesus calls us not to this individualized, self-styled spirituality, but to faith and community, which means that we are accountable to others and that we lean and practice and honestly evangelize off of the gifting of each other, that Christians, uh, that churches shouldn't look like movie theaters, that we should understand that we have channels and, and a job and that we're just the messengers. Well, I remember one time where I was uh, teaching at Set Free, which is uh, our sister church here in Newley, Florida, who has a great ministry there for those who've been struggling with addiction in their lives and who want to be uh, saved and be baptized. And they go through this and they even they attend, they attend the church under Pastor Mark Souter. So it's a huge, great big plug for Set Free Church. Look, up to, look, look them up in our area, donate to them, give to them. They do amazing work, but me and several other pastors in the community get to uh, preach over there. So I have Tuesday mornings and I alternate with my dad every other week. And there was one time about four years ago uh, where a guy was in his two month uh, phase out of five months total. Right. So he's like kind of in the middle there. And I remember he was kind of half in half out, but he really, uh, he really believed in what I was saying about this in Ephesians four. He, he kind of, the lights turned on. And from that moment, he was never the same. He was a young black guy. And, uh, he basically said, um, you know, I really do see something to this. I really do feel like I'm called a minister. And he would just kind of give me those bits and pieces every once in a while. Like, I really do feel like I have a, a voice. And he, he was, he was really good at, at speaking. He was, he, when he talked, people listened. He just kind of had that thing on him. Young kid, 20, 21 years old. And I never had done anything like that before really. And, uh, so <laughs> I don't see him for a year after he gets baptized. They call it blessed out. Uh, cause that's their fun way of saying stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I don't see him for a year after he's baptized. And he comes up to me. I think it was like at a Walmart or something. And he's like, Pastor Adam, I just got to tell you. And I was like, what's up, man? How have you been? He goes, I just got to tell you, man, I went back to uh, the roughest part of, of North Jacks. Now, if you're from Jacksonville, uh, if I were to say these streets, you'd be like, oh, yeah, we don't drive down those streets. But that's where he grew up. And I actually grew up close to there. And, uh, and so, cause you can tell cause of how street I am. I'm very gangster. I'm very, if you look at me, you're like, dang, okay, he's, rabbit crazy gangster. Rabbit trail yeah, cra- he's crazy. This gangster. is podcast and I'm watching you here. <laughs> you can rabbit trail on a podcast that's yours. You can't rabbit trail on other people's podcasts, but you can rabbit trail on your own. That's a rule. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I remember that area as a tough area, rough area. And he looks at me and he's like, bro, I got, um, I've been investing in these three guys back home. Just like you said, you know, it, it was on me to do this because of my gifting and relationship and all this. And I said, man, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, after I told him all the stuff about how each of us uh, have a certain thing and that there are going to be people that I can't reach, that he can reach was the main goal of it. You know, like you can get to people that I can't, uh, he looks at me in that moment, puts his hand on my shoulder and says, you're right, Pastor Adam. They would have killed you. <laughs> like they would have taken you down. Like I have this, <laughs> I have this image of me like getting out of my car and then just immediately them just beating me to death. You know, right, like right, with my yeah. uh, with right. <laughs> with my own hands and just steal like like that part in vacation where he just drives through fringe like directions <laughs> and they just take all the hubcaps off his car while they're talking to him. Like that's what my situation. He he was just laughing to death like they're in Walmart yeah. going. It had to be me. Like this was my area. This is where I thrived. And now three, three guys are coming to church because of it. And one had given their life to Christ, like during the Bible study, it is incredible. So it was encouraging and hopefully encouraging to everyone listening to say, uh, you may not think you're gifted. You may not, you may think you're giftless, but if you have the Holy spirit living within you through belief and repentance and, and you love the Lord and you want to be a part of the mission, man, the goal is just to keep doing, to keep serving, to be involved, uh, to get acclimated, to your church and to ask, where can I serve? And you will figure this out. The Holy Spirit will not leave you high and dry in service because it is a way to make much of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and to be just kind of bring it all full circle, even, even what we discussed earlier with Andy Stanley, uh, the, ch- the world around us is at a disadvantage when the church stops being the church. And if we have stopped being the church for the sake of the world, then we will lose our calling and our mission for the world. And we just got to be very careful that we don't lose sight and that we remain active because faith without works is dead. And we need to be a people who are, are out there doing what we're saying and what we're telling other people to do. So that's the charge for ministry. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us again uh, as we ramble around here and go on rabbit trails. Uh, we're we're <laughs> you, you you always sound like a eleventh grade English teacher that's just trying to get like people <laughs> people back on track. Man, I, that's my whole trail. role on this podcast is. is to keep you from the rabbit trails. But can you imagine how chaotic it would be <laughs> if you weren't on here? You know what I mean? That'd be awful. Hey, I mean, people, you go back and listen to that one monologue you did a couple of weeks ago and just see how chaotic it would be. Yeah, you mean our least viewed? Most viewed. Hey, speaking of, yeah, I think it get, it got some it play, did, it but did. I wasn't. It wasn't because I was on my own, uh, but uh, it was because it was the first one we did in a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say too, as we close up, um, that uh, I think it was I got Victor or Eric Denton somebody who listens constantly to the podcast, which we really appreciate. They were, uh, they were giving us take a good take on, I think it was Eric. Um, 
he said, uh, he said, man, I love that you and Dylan have that chemistry. And I was like, man, I'd never been told that me and Dylan have chemistry, but that was, that felt really good coming from yeah, you, man. Like yeah, that was good. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We look forward. I appreciate your chemistry, Dylan. <laughs> okay. I'm doing the lean into the feelings, <laughs> lean in, lean into the feelings. Don't you dare run from them. Tell everyone right now how grateful you are for our chemistry. All right, Clay, cut it out. See y'all next time. <laughs> Clayman Media.